If you have your Bible, I hope you do. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to uh, look at the last sermon in this series that we've been going through, looking at how God is is using uh, this letter from Paul to, to show us where we can find joy. And this morning, as we turn to Philippians chapter 4, uh, we're going to start in verse 10, go down through the uh, verse 20, uh, kind of finish out the, the chapter there. But as you're turning there, in 1965, the uh, Rolling Stones came out with a song that some of you are probably familiar with. The name of that song was, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. And it was a song that, that really catapulted their success. It really put them on the music scene. And uh, <clears throat> it was a song about commercialism and, and the frustration of, of living in a society where, where everything had a value placed on it and, and, uh, and how it was uh, often taken out of, uh, out of the realm that it was created in. And in regards to that song, Mick Jagger made this comment about the song. He said, it was the song that really made the Rolling Stones. It changed us from just another band into a huge monster band. It has a very catchy title. It has a very catchy guitar riff. It has a great guitar sound, and, and that was original at that time. He said it also captured a spirit of the times, which was important in those kinds of songs. A spirit of alienation. And when it comes to looking and searching for satisfaction, doesn't it leave you alienated? When it comes to searching for satisfaction, doesn't it sometimes leave you feeling uh, empty or alone? And, uh, uh, you know, as, a, as Americans, we're supposed to be satisfied, you know. Uh, in, in reference to the, the slide up here, uh, I did a, a little search into uh, companies that offered 100% guaranteed satisfaction. And you know what? Almost every company will give a 100% guaranteed satisfaction. And I, I came up with, uh, was looking at some of the figures of, 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 of how we are in America and, and what this looks like. And I want to, uh, to give you some, some, some numbers here that, that should conclude that as Americans, we should be satisfied. We should be content. Um, the U.S. is the most uh, technological and powerful economy in the world, even in the state that we're in right now. Uh, from 2012, the, the per capita GDP, the, the amount of money basically per person in America, is around $49,900. Uh, the, the budget revenue for the U.S. government, the government brought in $2.4 trillion last year, and the, the unemployment rate was just under 8%. <clears throat> and, and that should speak well of our country. We, we should not be in any deficit with, with numbers like that. Um, but... But not only that, listen to this. In America, there are 182 million telephone landlines. There are 354 million cell phones. There's over 10,000 radio stations, over 1,500 TV stations, over 9,000 cable channels, over 15,000 airports. The life expectancy of men in America is the age 75. The life expectancy of women in America is 80. And in, in listening to those things, you know, we should all be pretty happy. We should all be pretty satisfied because, <clears throat> because of all the conveniences, of all of the, the luxuries, of all of the, 
the things that are out there offered to us. And those are just a few. But, but as Americans, we're not very, not very satisfied individuals. People aren't satisfied with their jobs. Uh, they want more pay, more vacation, with, with working less time. Uh, people are dissatisfied with their marriages. Domestic violence and uh, <clears throat> affairs are at an all-time high of people being involved in these things because they're not satisfied in their marriage. Divorce, oddly enough, has not increased any, but it's because people no longer are getting married. And so when they break up, there's no divorce. Parents aren't, dis- aren't satisfied with their kids. They either have too few or too many. Uh, the, the expense is, is great. The, the extra income that's needed to provide for those children is, is uh, uh, often a strain. And then there's somebody that has to watch them. Uh, and, and, and so many kids are disrespectful and they cause so many heartaches that, that people aren't satisfied with, with their children. And, but not only that, people aren't satisfied with their bodies or, or with their appearance. Uh, the amount of time and money that people put into trying to change their appearance or try to change something about their bodies uh, concludes that they like very little about themselves, whether it be from their hair, their face, or their size, or their shape, or their age. It, there's all kinds of things out there to improve those things because we're not satisfied. And uh, consumer credit is, <clears throat> is at an astronomical level, the, the amount of debt. They said that the average person, uh, based on numbers, the average person that has about between ten and $15,000 in consumer debt for Americans. All from people who are, are trying to, to always get more, always trying to, to have more. <clears throat> and to hear those numbers, to be a Christian, to be in a church, I think that there's a temptation to sit back and begin to judge. But when we realize that a good portion of these individuals that are in this position are Christians themselves. And so, you know, even after 48 years of when the Rolling Stones burst out into this music scene, into the culture with this song of of longing for satisfaction, people to this day are still longing for satisfaction. And so where can you find the satisfaction? Where can this satisfaction be found? You know, if you, if you listen to that song, it can't be. But as believers, can we find satisfaction? Look at Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. <clears throat> Paul is writing here, and he is at the close of his letter. And he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of having plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves... Know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. 
I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, as we enter into your word this morning, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for the opportunity to hear, to have our, our hearts touched. And Father, we ask that you would just open our eyes to your truth this morning, that we would not look for satisfaction anywhere but through a relationship with you. So be with us as we look at this this morning, as we get into your word. Reveal it to us, Father, and be with us. In your name we pray. Amen. As I've already shared with you, we're, <clears throat> we're all guilty of searching for satisfaction. And if I were to, to ask each of one in here this morning if, <clears throat> if, you know, if there was an area in your life where you're not 100% completely satisfied. I think that, that if we're honest with ourselves, that, that each of us in here could, could give at least one area of our life where we feel that we're lacking. One area of our life where we feel like we're, we're maybe missing out. And, and don't we want to be satisfied? As Christians, don't we feel entitled to be satisfied? Not only just satisfied with, with, with where we are, but you know, with the, the, the hand that we've been dealt, so to speak. With the life that we've been given. And, and perhaps the, <clears throat> the reason that we're not satisfied is because of where we are looking for that satisfaction. You know, when, when we look at our jobs, when we're not satisfied in our jobs, where do we turn to to find satisfaction? You know, I, we get on the internet, we get to the classified ads, we try to find us a better job that's going to pay better money with, with, with better benefits. Or maybe it's in our, our finances. We, we look for ways to make more money or look for ways to, to, to improve that area. In our spouses, in our, in our relationships, we, we may want to, uh, to, to look elsewhere because we're not 100% satisfied. And, and it, with our kids or our possessions, wherever it be, we look for, for, <clears throat> for other opportunities and for other places to satisfy these longings in our heart. And Paul understood the necessity of, of being satisfied with where you are and being satisfied with your life. After all, he'd been risking his life for many years for the sake of the gospel. And, and certainly as he is here at the end of his life, don't you think he's looking back at the life that he's lived and, and he wants a reason to, to satisfy why he would do such things. He wants to, 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 to look at his life here and see that... that that there is satisfaction in doing what he's done, that there's a reason, there's a purpose to what he's been doing. And can we identify that? Don't, does anybody want to just go through life aimlessly, or do we want to find purpose? Do we want to find you know, results? Do we want to find satisfaction with the life that we're living, with the life that we've been given? You know, and, and so <clears throat> we long to have the peace that comes from uh, the satisfaction of living life well. And this morning, as we look at this closing portion of Paul's letter here. This is his, his, uh, his, his, the end of his letter. This is him uh, giving them some final thoughts to, to chew on. He wants people to see how they can have satisfaction with, with what God has given them. And he wants to, <clears throat> to see how they can find satisfaction in their life, in, in, in the life that God has blessed them with. And so this morning I want us to look at how we can find satisfaction. 
How by, by a relationship with Christ, how by living in Christ and through Christ, we can find satisfaction. And so I want us to just, to just go over some of the, the points that, that Paul lays out here and how we can find satisfaction. The first is this, that we can find satisfaction by <clears throat> what he says in verse 10, for caring for others. It says in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. For you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. <clears throat> Paul understood the love of the Philippians by their willingness to support him not only financially, but, but through, uh, through prayers and through their resources by sending Epaphroditus to, to, to take him uh, not only the monetary gifts, but also other means. You know, why else would someone... Uh, send money to an accused prisoner unless they had full confidence and, and had love for that individual. And so Paul here is, is rejoicing. Again, that term that we've seen over and over in, in Philippians, he is rejoicing in the fact you know, that, that these per- people care for him. That even though they couldn't be there, they lack the opportunity. You know, they're, they're a thousand miles away, but yet they care so much for Paul that they they give of themselves, and they, and they send not only prayers, but, but gifts to him. And that meant something to Paul. And it meant that they cared for him. And, and have you ever been on the, the receiving end of that type of care? Where, where people, you know, have, have generously given to you. Uh, maybe it's through the, you know, somebody paying a, a, a bill for you. Or... or or giving you some money at a time when you were in dire need. Or, or maybe it's someone who mysteriously shows up and provides for you in an area that you so desperately need help in. You know, those are, those are acts of, of genuine love and care. And as a, as a recipient of those acts of kindness and, and of those acts of love, is your heart not filled with, with not only satisfaction but relief? And, 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 a, and a love... For the individual who has given to you so generously and, and so selflessly. But what about the other side of that? Being the person who, who is doing the act of kindness. The person who is, who is meeting the need. Have you ever shown someone you care by, by loving on them in this kind of way? By, by you know, not necessarily giving money but, but, but meeting a need. Last Sunday night, we saw the video from uh, the, the North American Mission Board of, of the church in Virginia and how they are meeting the needs of the people who hike along the Appalachian Trail. The people, when they get to this portion of Virginia on the Appalachian Trail, they are, they are wore out. They have traveled hundreds of miles walking, climbing the mountains. And when they get to this portion of the trail, there's a church that's along the trail, and the church gives them food, provides for them showers, provides for them health screenings, provides for them uh, <clears throat> internet access so they can contact people back home. Just simple basic needs. But, but the church is doing this. There's a, a particular lady that is heading this ministry up, and, and she is doing this stuff. And, and the people that were interviewed in that video were talking about how they felt loved and how they felt cared for and how they felt special. Even though they may not believe in Jesus, even though they may not believe in God, they felt love and genuine care. But that's not really the remarkable thing. The remarkable thing is they interviewed the lady that heads up this ministry. And as she is choking back the tears, she says of how satisfying, 
how rewarding it is to be able to serve these individuals. And let me tell you, that blows people's minds. That blows the culture's mindset of, of, uh, of what it means to, to love someone. You know, in a, in a culture that we live in where everything is about self-gratification and personal advancement, you know, here you have individuals who, who are finding satisfaction in their life because they are able to give their time, they're able to give their money, they're able to give of their talents or resources in order to help other people. And as a follower of Christ, when we care for others, Christ does something in our hearts. He satisfies a longing in our hearts that cannot be replaced by anything other than what He would have there. And through caring for others. And so, if we want to, to be an individual, a Christian, who, who, who maybe we're lacking satisfaction in, in some areas, maybe we should begin to look to satisfy the longings in our heart by caring for other people. Putting other people ahead of ourselves. And so we can, we can find satisfaction by caring for others. But, but not only by caring for others, look at verses 11 and 12. It says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. If we're, leaking, if we're searching for satisfaction, we're, we're trying to find a satisfaction to our lives, maybe we need to begin to find satisfaction in our circumstances. We need to learn to be content with our circumstances that we've been given. As we've learned through this letter, Paul's a man of circumstances. Beaten 39 times, imprisoned, shipwrecked, falsely accused, left for dead. You know, you could go on. You could, you could spend days talking about what all Paul went through. And at his present location, he's under house arrest. He's awaiting trial in Rome, which, which he doesn't have much hope of coming out of alive. And looking back over his, his lifetime, he reminisces a bit here and, and, and relates how the, even in the good times and the bad times, he has learned to be content. But not contentment as you and I know contentment. Because when we think contentment, we think happiness. The, the Greek word here it literally means to be self-sufficient or satisfied. And so in, if, we, if we take that in mind, he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, but I have learned in whatever situation I am to be self-sufficient, to be satisfied with where I am. That's what he's saying. And so whether in, in good times or bad, whether having plenty or, or not having enough, having all you can eat or being starving to death, he's learned to be satisfied with what he's been given. I'm sure there was a time at the, the height of his, of his Jewish prominence when he was a Pharisee that, that there was nothing that he lacked. You know, he was regarded as a as a high official and, and, and probably lived with the finer things in life. But, but once he turned his life over to Christ, he had to fall back on what he knew and began making tents and supporting himself and relying on other people to meet basic needs such as food and shelter. And it says regardless of where he found himself, he learned to be satisfied with where he was. Could we not learn from Paul? 
You know, have, have, have we learned to be satisfied with, with where we are in life, with our circumstances? I know for some people in here, for some people in our church, circumstances are pretty bleak. You know, they're, they're, they're at low places. They're, they're in financial situations. They're in relationship issues. And, and, and there doesn't, there's even health issues, and there doesn't seem to be much hope. And isn't it easy to, to get down and to, to have a pity party? Isn't it easy to, to wallow in, in that type of attitude? You know, there's, there's individuals in here who, who aren't in low places. Things are going pretty well, and, and, and maybe there are no issues on the horizon. But the key is not to be, to be all happy and joyful when we're not experiencing trouble. The key is to be happy and joyful and, and praising God in spite of our circumstances. Knowing that, that everything that comes our way has to pass through the hand of God before it will come upon His children. And that if you are in a bleak situation right now, that is because God has you there. And God is using that, and God is teaching, and God is molding you through that. James 1, 2. Consider it joy when you experience trials of various kinds. doesn't mean you have to like it. But it means that you're satisfied. Because you know this too will pass. I, I, I made the comment to someone the other day that was complaining about their situation and, and they didn't see any, any hope on the horizon. And I said, well, don't worry about it. It's only temporary. And they said, I'll be dealing with this till I die. I said, I know, but it's only temporary. Because after you die, guess what? It's gone. If you're a believer in Christ, all the sufferings, all the things we face in this world are only temporary. Once we pass from this life into the next, there is no more. It's only glory. It's only rejoicing. It's only being in the Father with and being in heaven with the Father. And so, so yes, we may be in, in rough times. We may be in low spots. We may be in, in high times. The key is not to, to dwell on the circumstances, it's to be satisfied with the circumstances. That's what, what Paul says here. He knows what it's like to be hungry, he knows what it's like to have more than he can eat. He knows what it's like to have money. He knows what it's like to not have any. And in all of those things, he's learned to be satisfied. He's learned to deal with it. That's a hard thing to learn. But when we learn to be satisfied with our circumstances, we can find satisfaction in the life that we've been given. I was reminded of a story as I was looking at this point of the of the of a businessman who who came upon this gentleman who was uh, laying down next to his fishing boat there at the at the shore and and the businessman walked up to the man and he said man why aren't you out there fishing the man says well i've caught enough fish for today and the man says but but why don't you catch more fish and the, and the gentleman said well what would i do with all these fish if i caught them the businessman said, well, you could, you could earn more money. You could buy a bigger boat. You could buy a better boat. You could go out deeper. You could go out farther. You could catch more fish. You could buy better nets. You could have a fleet of boats. And, and then you would be rich like me. And the fisherman asked, he said, well, then what would I do? 
The businessman said, well, son, he said, then you could sit down and enjoy your life. And the fisherman said, what do you think I'm doing now? You know, and, and isn't that how it is for us? Sometimes we, we think we need more. We need better. We need to get to the next level and instead of being satisfied with where God has us right now. So not only do we need to, to care for others, but, but learning to be content, learning to be satisfied with our circumstances. But look at verse 13. The third thing to find satisfaction is to, to place our confidence in Christ. He says, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. It's probably one of the, the most famous verses in the Bible apart from John 3.16. It's on bumper stickers, it's on coffee mugs, it's on plaques, it's on t-shirts, it's on calendars, it's on anything that, that we can market. And we love what it says, that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And, and I want us to, to, to think about that in light of Paul's circumstances here. Think about the letter as we've gone through it, as we've gone through Philippians. Chapter 1, he, he talks about having joy in spite of your circumstances. He's in prison. He's, he says that it's, it's better for me to, uh, to, to remain here with you even though I long to die and go on to heaven to get out of this. But, but he's having a, a joyful attitude in spite of his circumstances. And In chapter 2, he, he, he talks about the, the need for, for, for serving others and for being a godly example. And even the strains that come with that, even the, 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 the temptations and the pains that come along with doing those things. But he, he finds the joy in, in serving others. Chapter 3, he, he talks about the assurance of his faith and, and how he, he's longing to be even stronger, to be even better than what he's already been. And here in this last part of the letter, he's even talking about how he's learned to be satisfied. And so if we, if we think about this verse in, in light of what Paul's been, been talking about, how can he do all these things? How can he have joy in all these situations? He can have it because of Christ who lives in him, who is strengthening him. And so he's banking on that assurance that, it, it's, that his ability to be satisfied and to live it comes from this endurance that is only possible with God. He says, when I can do all things, it, he uses a word there that means to, to be strong or to be filled with power. And he knows that he can endure any circumstance because of the power. And I think as, as Christians, we like to quote this verse because of what it implies. You know, that we can do all things, that we can do whatever we want to as long as we set our mind to it. It's not really the truth. We can do whatever God is calling us to do. We can do whatever God is leading us to do. Because of him who is in us, not because of what we want. Does it say in that thing that, that I can do all things for him who strengthens me? You know, has, has Paul been talking about what he wants or what he needs? You know, he, he's, been, he's been using the, the illustration here that, that, uh, of, of the things that, that God is supplying the needs, not supplying the wants. And so whatever we do, to set out to do in the name of Christ, you know, to let him fill us with his power. To lean on Him, to, to live in, with joy in spite of our circumstances. And when we, we are going through that rough time in our life, to lean on Him and, and know that, that, that He's in control. When we serve others, when we give sacrificially, we're able to do those things because of Christ living in us. 
even learning to be satisfied with the life that we've been given. We can do through Him strengthening us. So we care for others. We, we learn to be satisfied with our circumstances and we put our confidence in Christ. But, but not only that, we cooperate. Look at verse 14. He says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul knows that there's satisfaction in cooperating with others. He doesn't want to be seen as ungrateful to the Philippian people. He's been talking a lot about self-sufficiency and independence and, and, and satisfy, uh, self-satisfaction, satisfying himself here uh, in this last portion. But, but here he, instru- he stresses the importance of, of others, of others coming alongside, of, 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 of how that has helped. Ten years before Paul is in prison, he, he comes to the, uh, the land of Philippi there in Thessalonica and Macedonia, and he preaches the gospel. And in each of these places, a church is born. But the Philippian people were the only ones to partner with Paul. They were the only ones to give him money. They were the only ones to support him uh, uh, with their resources and with their prayers and those types of things. And so Paul stresses the importance of their cooperation here. And how, you know, that without their help, that perhaps the gospel may not have made it as far as it has. And so he... He stresses to them the the importance of of what their cooperation is to him. And as Christians, as denominational people, as Baptists, is cooperation a word that we like to use? Is it a term that we like to identify ourselves with? We have the cooperative program. We give to that, you know... Uh, regularly that we support uh, through the cooperative program. We come, we pull our money together to help out other churches and other ministries. But apart from that, do we cooperate? You know, one of the reasons I've been showing the videos for Annie Armstrong each week is, is not so much because I want you to give to the Annie Armstrong offering, not so we can meet some goal, but I want to stress the importance of what God is doing, of, of how God's using regular people like us in other places to, uh, to, to share the gospel with people. And how through seeing the stories of, of the Victor Thomas and the Scott Venable and, and even the, uh, the lady we saw last week, how we can come alongside them and help and, and cooperate by praying for them. By, by supporting their, their ministries through giving to the cooperative program, through giving to the Annie Armstrong. You know, we can't go to Chicago. We can't go to Reno or, or Vancouver. But can't we pray for those individuals? Can't we support in that way? But it's more than, than, than that. It's even on a local level. I mean, who knows the whole purpose of the South Mountain Baptist Association? How many churches are in the South Mountain Baptist Association? 28. 28 churches in, the, in that one association. And you know what the, the purpose of that association is? To bring the churches together to cooperate for one cause. To spread the gospel. 
And we'll be hosting the South Mountain Baptist Associational Revival in this building come April. And there has been the opportunity for each church to get involved to help plan this revival. And do you know how many churches out of the 28 have been, become involved? Six. 28 churches, six have stepped up to help. But we need, to, we need to look beyond competition and look towards cooperation. It's not a us versus them. And I think if we became more kingdom focused instead of more personal focused, we could get a lot more done. But there's something that happens when you begin to cooperate with other people. Even people outside the denominational lines. There's going to be a lot of confused people in heaven when they get there and they find that there's Methodists and, and, and Lutherans and Wesleyans and Assembly of God people and, and Church of God. There's going to be all kinds of denominational people in heaven. And, and <clears throat> that's not where we differ. Or that's not where, where our association lies. Our association lies in, in, in the commonality of Jesus Christ, of, of, the, of the purpose of what Christ came in to do. And just because they may not believe traditionally the same way we do we can cooperate we can get along we can we can help out and we can work together and we can cooperate for the good of the gospel we can cooperate for the spreading of the gospel and you know what happens when when you see people working together and the gospel takes root and it changes lives from this type of cooperation God fills our heart with a, a unbelievable satisfaction and knowing that we're doing what he's called us to do so we care for others. We, we learn from our circumstances. We, we put our confidence in Him and we cooperate with others. But finally, we, we trust in God's provision. Verse 19 and 20 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is leaning on a truth here that that Jesus told his followers to, to store up your treasures in heaven. I'm sure there was much material cost in, in supporting Paul, who's been under house arrest for two years at this point. Regardless of being in prison, he still has needs. He still has to eat. He still has to pay rent. He still has to pay taxes. He still has the, the common everyday things that everybody else has. Just because he's uh, under arrest does not mean that those things have gone away. And for, for 10 years, they've been supporting him in, in this mission to preach the gospel. And, and if you've ever had to support anyone other than yourself, you understand what kind of strain that can put on you. But Paul is assuring him them there that, that God will provide for them beyond anything that they've already given. And so often we, we take this verse out of context that, that you know, that if we just give a little bit to God, He'll supply all our needs and give us all our wants. But the, the truth is, is that God doesn't want your money. God doesn't need your money. God, He wants your heart. He wants your obedience. He wants your willingness, your faithfulness. And that's where the Philippians church heart was, was in these things. It was in their faithfulness. It was in their obedience. And they were concerned about the furthering of the gospel. They were concerned about, about getting the message out there so that 
more people could come to know God. And when we put our, our heart into doing the things of God, when we put our heart into serving God completely, when we put our heart into being obedient and being faithful, it says that He supplies all our needs. Not all our wants, all our needs. But He does it according to His infinite resources. What, what, does, what is God not able to provide? How is God not able to, to, to supply all of our needs? You know, when, when I come across that, I, I think back of <clears throat> when I was dating Valerie. Her father told of a, of a time when, when they left Florida to, to move to Georgia. And this, this resonated with me. Her father was part of her, of, of her grandfather's company. Her grandfather had passed away and, and uh, her dad's older brother had taken over the business. And he was working for them. And there was a future there. There was, there was opportunity to make a lot of money there. But her dad felt the call to the ministry. He felt the call to, to preach the gospel. And so he packed up his family and he left. He left comfort. He left security. He left familiarity. And, and moved from South Florida to, to South Georgia. And basically started over. And he, he was told how he was foolish. He wouldn't make it. How he was going to, to, to experience all kinds of trouble. And, and, and I'm sure as Valerie can, can share with us that, that there were hard times. And there were, there were times when, when there wasn't a lot of abundance. There wasn't a lot of, of, of extra. But he could, he could give you account over and over again of how God continually supplied their need. Didn't make sense to anybody else. But he followed God. He followed God's heart. And God has blessed that family beyond. Beyond anything that they could imagine back during those times. Beyond anything they could imagine during this time. But, but when we trust God, when we, when we put our faith in Him... When we do what He calls us to do, He doesn't leave us hanging. No, He supplies our needs according to His infinite resources. So that when you're hungry, guess what? There will be food. You know, when, when you need a place to stay, there will be a place to stay. It may not be what you want, but it will be there. Jesus says in Matthew that, you know, doesn't even the Heavenly Father care about the birds? That they have a place? How much more will God take care of His own? When we begin to, to trust in God and His provision, when we begin to, to, <clears throat> to cooperate with other people, when we begin to, to put our confidence in God and, and not ourselves, when we begin to learn to be satisfied with where He has us, when we learn to, to care for others, guess what happens? You find satisfaction. And you know what? People will say, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have to. We just have to be faithful to God. We just have to be obedient to God. If we, if we want to find satisfaction, that's how it's found. It's found through a relationship with Him. And so as you're, 
your life song been, I can't get no satisfaction? Have you been looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places? Maybe it's in situations or circumstances. Maybe it's in, in, in relationships or in, in jobs. But, but satisfaction, much like joy, what Paul has been preaching throughout this, this letter, satisfaction and joy are only possible through a relationship with Christ. It's not based upon circumstances. It's based upon your relationship with Him. And when you follow Him faithfully, when you are obedient, and when you, <clears throat> when, you, when you love Him with all of your heart, you find a satisfaction that cannot be explained. And so Paul leaves us with encouraging words here. To put our whole lives, to, to wrap our whole lives in what God is doing. To follow Him completely. And I want to encourage you that this morning. If you're longing for something, if there's, there's an area of your life where you're lacking, when you're looking for, for satisfaction, if you're looking to experience this joy, deepen your relationship with Christ. Because that's where it's found. Father, as we close out this morning, I thank you for our time together. I thank you that we have had the opportunity to go through this, this letter, this passage of Scripture that's in your Holy Word, and how it's spoken to us, Father, how it's given us insight into to areas that we weren't familiar with. Father, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that's longing to have their hearts satisfied, that, that you would open the eyes to the truth that, that it's found in you, that it's found in a relationship with you. Father, help us to be obedient, help us to be faithful, but most of all, help us to love you well because you have loved us well. You have given beyond anything we deserve and you continually supply our needs. And for that we give you honor and praise. Be with us as we close out this time this morning, Father, that if there are things on our heart that you are pressing, things that you are encouraging us to, to come to, to terms with, to, to put behind us or to move forward with, Father, that you will use this time now to, to do that. And we just look forward to what you're doing. In your name we pray. Amen. Valerie's going to come and she's...